Isaiah chapter 50, verse 10, says, Who among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant, that walketh in darkness and hath hath no light, let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. Let's pray. Our Father, we come now to reflect uh, briefly upon what you have told us. When we are serving you and we feel like we're in a place of darkness and weariness, and we pray that you would bless us to be encouraged as we leave leave this place to be obedient to what you've told us in this passage, and that you would encourage us, Lord, you would encourage your people that are here and that hear these admonitions this afternoon. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This message will be short unless the Lord just pours out tremendous insights and things that I've never seen before. But I wanted to just take uh, a few minutes and do something very, very simple. The answer to our difficulty of walking in darkness and feeling weary and overcome by sin and the world around us is found here in this text. And it's really nothing that's new or surprising. It's something all of us know to do. And it's simply to trust in the name of the Lord. And uh, you say, well, Brother Mike, that's, that's what he's saying here. He's saying these people... These people are fearing the Lord. And yet, they're fearing the Lord, and they're even, it even says that they obey the Lord. And yet, they are walking in darkness and have no light. And it's true. The thing that God wants us to do is to remain faithful. He wants us to continue. We, it's like Pilgrim in the uh, Pilgrim's Progress. He wants us to keep walking the path. He wants us to continue in faith. And just because the path leads through the slough of despond, or it, it leads through the valley where all the, the uh, ground is damp and wet and soft and, and uh, marshy and has all kinds of wicked things in it, uh, we don't stray. We don't do something different. We don't do something different. We continue in trusting the Lord, and we walk by faith and not by sight. In every instance, I should not say every instance, but in almost every instance where faith is commended to someone in the Scriptures, someone's commended for faith, they do something that's beyond what they can see. They act on a word of God that they cannot physically see. Abraham had the word of God that he had a land that God would give him that he could not see. But he believed God. And he acted on that. And he went out from his home, not knowing where he went, the Scriptures say. 
Abraham had never seen God raise someone from the dead. But he believed that God could do it. He believed that God had spoken the whole creation into existence. And if he had a dead son in front of him, he believed that God could raise that son back to life. But he had never seen that. And Rahab, the harlot, had never herself seen God destroy a city or destroy a nation even. Now, she had heard it. And the Scriptures say that she believed what she heard. And she acted on it to her great danger. It was not a small thing for her to house the spies of the enemies of her city. And yet, she acted in a way that transcended what she could see. Going back to Abraham, I doubt that Sarah had ever seen a woman... 90 years old, give birth to a son. It was so ridiculous for God to tell her, for, God, for, for the pre-incarnate Christ to come and visit her and tell her that she was going to have a child at 90 years of age and her husband 100 years old. It was so ridiculous that she laughed at the idea at first. Now somewhere along the line, God gave her faith to believe that God would do what he said he would do because Hebrews 11 says that by faith she conceived. And so in almost every instance, we're not, continue, we're not called to do something different from what we're already doing. We fear the Lord. We obey the Lord. But we're in darkness right now. What to do? Try a new approach? Start a new program? No. The Lord says through Isaiah, let the person in that condition do the same thing he's been doing. Trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. That's what faith is. Now, it doesn't mean that we, start, we keep on doing the same sinful things that got us into darkness. It doesn't mean that we don't repent of our habits. And if there are things that need correcting, we do that. And we ask the Lord to show us those things. And we have soft and pliable hearts that will hear what God says to us. And we will change our habits that are not glorifying to the Lord and not encouraging and strengthening to His people. But the answer to our, our uh, query of what do we do is trust in the Lord. And I want to share a few scriptures that hopefully will encourage us to do this. 
Turn with me, if you would, to uh, Psalm 25. Psalm 25. And we find David saying to the Lord, verse 6, Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindness, for they have, ne- they have, ever, they have been ever of old. Remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions, According to thy mercy, remember thou me for the, thy goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore will he teach sinners in the way, the meek will he guide in judgment, and meek will he teach his way, the meek will he teach his way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. Now, dearly beloved, when I say we're to continue trusting in the Lord, remember what Isaiah said. The man that's walking in darkness is the man that trusts the Lord, that fears the Lord, and obeys. If that's not characteristic of our lives, then that does need to change. And I, there's this matter of that probably I've overlooked a little bit here is that if, if there are things that need to change, then those those things have to be dealt with first. And so as we read these passages, you're going to see that the Lord's deliverance and is to those that not only trust Him, but that also obey His truth. And that's what verse 10 says here too. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. For thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon mine iniquity, for it is great. Now what do you say what what do you think the Lord says to a person comes to him and says, Lord, I want to trust you. I want to have you forgive my iniquities, but I'm going to continue disobeying what you specifically say in your word. Is that person going to receive forgiveness? And are they going to receive the uh, comfort and deliverance from darkness? No, they're not. God's mercies and His, His blessing and His, His faithfulness is to those that keep His covenant and His testimonies. And verse 13 says, His soul shall dwell at ease, and his seed shall inherit the earth. Now listen, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. And so if that, that is a prerequisite for us if we want to see the Lord. Someone says, I want to know more about what the Bible teaches. And I want to know more of the secret of God. I want to know more about the covenant of God. What do I need to do? Get a Ph.D.? Go to divinity school? That's not what God says. God says if you want to know more about my covenant and you want to have more fellowship with me, if you've tasted that the Lord is gracious and you want more of that fellowship, the thing to do is to honor me and obey me 
and reform your ways that are contrary to the Word of God. So, if we want wisdom, if we want understanding, we read in Psalm 111, verse 10, something very similar to what we just read in Psalm 25. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. His praise endureth forever. There's a tendency on our part as men and women to somehow want the blessings of God, the understanding of God, and yet be able to continue in ways that are contrary to the revealed will of God. And it just doesn't happen. That's not, that's not going to happen. The secret of God's covenant, understanding, fellowship with Lord, and all those things is in conjunction with obedience. Not apart from it. Now, we don't get blessings because we obey, but we don't get blessings apart from obedience either. And so we need to be aware of that. Blessed is the man, Psalm 112, verse 1. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. It's frustrating as a pastor to talk to people that are obviously having problems. And they're in great pain. And they say, Pastor, I've got this situation in my family. I've got this situation in my relationships, in my personal situation. And uh, I don't know what to do. And you say to that person, well, what about this area of your life? Is it in conformity with what God says in his word? Well, I know what God's word says. But I don't feel like that's what I should do. I know God says that this is the path I should take. This is the way he's ordained that his people live. But somehow or other, I just feel like that's not what I need to do. Now, I hope the Holy Spirit will take these words into your heart and my heart and say, well, what is there that that really God tells me to do and I don't see it with my eyes, but by faith I'm going to acknowledge that His Word does say this and that I would be blessed if I would trust Him and act on what He says. Psalm 128, verse 1. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. Notice how those things are connected over and over again. What God's joined together, we must not separate. God joins trust and the consequent blessings and the consequent peace all with obedience. 
We don't need to come into God's Word and carve it up and say, well, I know I'm going to heaven. And say things like, I know that my eternal salvation is secure, but you know, there's some things on earth that I just don't agree with and I don't like what God's Word says and I'm just not going to do it. That is extremely dangerous and we're going to read a verse in just a moment that I think puts a um, drives a stake in the heart of that kind of argument. Malachi 3.16 Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. He doesn't say that they talked about the weather. Or Brother Blake, forgive me, this steps on my toes. It doesn't say those that talked about technology. Or Brother Herman, forgive me. He didn't say those that talked about Arkansas and Auburn football. The book of remembrance that's written before God where he, do you remember the book of the record in, uh, in, in Esther where Mordecai did something wonderful and it was recorded? He, he reported some conspirators against the king and uh, it was written that Mordecai had protected the king and, and kept the assassination plot from materializing. And that was written in the, in the book of memory. And the king was up one night, and he read that, and he said, uh, what's been done for Mordecai to reward him? And that set up a very, very interesting, ironic, uh, when Haman comes before the king, and you remember that story. But isn't it interesting that Malachi portrays a situation where God is in heaven, and on earth, his people, his saints, when they gather together, they talk to one another about the Lord and about his kingdom and about his covenant and about his word. And if somehow there's a scribe up in heaven making a record of that. And God somehow, at some point, looks at it and is pleased with it. In fact, he wants that record written down of his saints. And so those of us that claim to feel the Lord would be blessed to speak often to one another about these things explicitly and maybe let some of the things that, that occupy our thoughts a lot take a lower priority. And I'm just as guilty as anyone about that. So, a few more verses and we'll be, we'll be through. The idea that this blessing um, comes to those that, that trust the Lord to the point of obeying Him is all in the Scriptures. 
Joshua said this in Joshua 22.2. He said unto them, You have kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, and have obeyed my voice in all that I commanded you. And he said, you're going to be blessed now. God's going to lead you into the promised land because you have obeyed his voice. Daniel 9, 10 and 11. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God. Now this is a confession of Daniel of what they had not done and what they had failed to do. And they were in captivity as a result of it. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws which he has set before us by his servants the prophets. Yea, all Israel have transgressed thy law even by departing that they might not obey thy voice. Now, wait a minute. I thought you said, Daniel, that they had not obeyed the voice of the prophets. Now you're saying that we have not obeyed the voice of God, your voice. It's the same thing, isn't it? It's the same thing. If they wouldn't hear the voice of the prophets, they wouldn't hear God because that was the same thing. Therefore the curse is poured upon us and the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against him. So what about in the New Testament? In the New Testament, the principle is the same. The people of God come together under the Word of God, and they hear the prophets, and their duty is to trust what is said to them from the prophets, from the Scriptures, and to act upon it, trusting in the Lord. Jesus accused Israel. This is in the beginning days of the church. He says, Behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes. He's talking to apostate Israel. And some of them ye shall kill and crucify, and some of them shall ye scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city. They're going to reject the word of God. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians. And let's bring this down to a New Testament setting and a church setting and uh, apply it to ourselves. And then there's one other passage of Scripture that I want to read and we'll be finished. To the church at Ephesus, Paul writes that it was the foundation, look at chapter 2 and verse 20, that it was the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone stone on which the church was built. Then in chapter five, 3 and verse 5, he makes the point that the mystery that was hidden in ages past has been revealed to the church at Ephesus by the apostles and prophets by the Spirit. And in chapter 4, in verse 11, he says that he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for edify, the edifying of the body of Christ.
So when we come into the church to hear the pastors speak and preach the Word of God, we are coming to hear what our duty is as we trust the Lord and seek to escape from the darkness and the despair that has enshrouded us. I want us to turn, in closing, to the book of Hebrews. If you would, turn to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. We'll start reading with verse 5. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest, but he said unto unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. As he saith also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears, unto him that was able to save him from death, and was heard in that he feared, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him, called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Now, there is a, a theory that we have encountered for many years among uh, a lot of churches. It's the carnal Christian theory. It says that people can have Christ as Lord, but, or as Savior, but not as Lord. In other words, he will be their Savior, and they'll go to heaven. But it's quite possible that these people could remain carnal Christians throughout their lives, disobedient to the things that God has commanded in Scripture. And Paul did not say he became the author of salvation to all that are obedient and disobedient. He is the author of eternal salvation to those that obey him. Now, That's not saying that our obedience merits our salvation or that our salvation is based on obedience. But here's what it is saying. Those that are saved eternally have a new nature placed within them. And that new nature desires to speak about the things of the Lord. It desires to be obedient to the things of God. It cries out to the Father in worship. It rejoices in the heart of that person. It blesses that person to taste that the Lord is gracious. It causes that person to rejoice in the fellowship that he or she experiences through obedience. And that is the compelling, that is the driving force of that person's life. They love the Lord. They love His people. They love His kingdom. They love His word. They have no taste for the things of the world. 
Now, is it true that they sometimes get deceived? And they see some fruit hanging there, and the fruit looks good. And they say, I think that fruit is good for the taste. It, it, it's, there's some good understanding there. I'm going to take that, and they taste it, and they say, oh my, this is rotten fruit. They don't just keep going back to the fruit that's rotten, the, the worldly fruit. They have a taste that when they taste the rotten fruit, it, it, turns them, it makes them sick. And they want to get rid of it and quit. They may take it, but they, they get sick. And they want the good fruit of the Lord. And so they, the, the fact that God has changed their hearts makes them desire obedience. And they long for it. And, uh, and that's, that's, their, that's their characteristic of, of their life. Now, here we are. Let's go back to this verse in Isaiah 50.10. There are people that trust the Lord, that obey Him, and that are walking in darkness. They have no light. What's God's remedy for that? Do something different? No. Continue fearing the Lord. Continue walking in His ways. Continue hearing His prophets. Continue hearing the great prophet. Continue obeying what the prophets and the great prophet say by faith, even though you don't see the end result, but remain faithful. Let them trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. Now, I want to close by just saying this, a reminder of something we said this morning. You may believe that God can do all this. That would mean that you have faith. Trust is you doing things that are based upon what you believe to be true. We heard a sermon, I mentioned something, mentioned it to you, some of you at lunch, heard a sermon recently at a camp meeting. And this minister was saying that he prayed for years to be filled with the Spirit of God. And he said one day he was praying and he was asking the Lord again to fill him with the Spirit. And he said the Lord said to him in his soul in his heart he said you are full of the spirit you've been filled with the spirit walk in it walk in it live it that's what God is calling us to do is to walk in trust and, and obedience to him let's pray Father I pray that as we leave this place this coming week as we encourage um, situations that are difficult, that grate against us, that try our patience, that are frustrating, I pray that you would bless us to lift up our hearts 
and our voices and our souls unto you and trust you with everything that we have. Help us to be obedient. Lord, if we, if there's something, if there are things in our lives that need to change, our habits, our attitudes, I pray that you'd bless us, Lord, to repent of those things. But if there are things, if we, if there's nothing that we know of that we need to change, and we're just simply going through dark times, bless us, Lord, to trust in you with all of our heart. Bless us to not lean to our own understanding. We can't figure things out. We cannot unravel a lot of the things that we face. But Father, help us to uh, become focused upon you, trust in you, and obey your commandments. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.